They're willing to go into a public space saying that they don't know, which is a form of curiosity, really. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Are there some things you just know that you don't have to even wonder about at all? Never a question. And have you ever experienced a moment when you weren't sure about those things? I have that kind of moment in a very mundane way. Some mornings, just as I'm waking up, I'm not sure where I am, home, maybe someplace else. Usually I'll hear something, an airplane, a trash truck and dumpster next door, birds. And without opening my eyes, those sounds tell me everything I need to know about where I am, the time, even something about the weather. If I hear planes taking off, then they're headed out the north end of National's runway, and I know literally which way the winds are blowing. The sounds aren't in any way unique to my home, yet what you hear as a marker of home is likely different from what I hear, even if you're under the same flight path. But we both have sounds that help answer questions in that half a moment when we're not sure of something that might otherwise seem obvious. So I'm curious, what sounds make you sure of things? Are there sounds that can actually throw you off? Make you unsure of something you thought you knew? And and when you pay attention to your soundscape, what else do you notice? Here it comes. My winter campaign. Get your coat. Get curious. Don't let the weather keep you hostage indoors. Go ahead. Get your coat. Go outside. And choose to be curious. What do you hear? Do you hear anything that confirms or challenges what you thought you knew? I'd love to know what you discover. Send a note on Facebook or Twitter. Choose to be curious. If, as writer Tom Robbins has put it, curiosity, especially intellectual inquisitiveness, is what separates the truly alive from those who are merely going through the motions, then where am I just going through the motions and where might I and and we benefit from a little more curiosity? I've been doing a lot of thinking about what we're sure of or not sure of and what we get curious about or don't get curious about and what it means to choose to be curious about things that other people don't or won't question. One area that comes to mind is gender identity. I don't think most people ever think to question what we've been told about our gender identity. But what if we did? Evie Priestman is a senior at Wakefield High School, longtime Arlington resident. I first heard Evie speak at TEDx Arlington a little over a year ago in a talk called It Takes a Village to Transition. I'd met Evie's mom, Sarah, quickly in passing the night before while I was helping to stuff packets for the talks that next day. Fast forward almost a year, and I found myself at their dining table, hoping they would be willing to join me on the air to talk more about choosing to be curious about gender identity. And they said yes. So welcome, Evie, and welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Hello. I was so, I felt so um, privileged by the conversation at your dining table because it was like a master course in familial respect. Um, So I'm really very pleased to have you here. And it was such an interesting lens into what it means to be genuinely open to new information as a family. So Evie, um, help me out here. Let's, um, where we started in that conversation, let's start here as well. Can you define some terms. You know, what do we mean by gender identity and and maybe define, define cisgender and transgender for our listeners? Um, gender identity is, gen, gen, someone's gender identity is 
um, what gender they identify as, whether it be male or female or somewhere in between. Um, and it differs from sexuality, which is who you're attracted to, like gay, lesbian, and um, straight. Yeah. And most of us don't think to question that identity, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I realized in preparing for our conversation was that I felt hyper aware of pronouns um, in a way that I actually I really appreciate because I think it's they're more powerful than we realize. And the power of those words is something we have talked about. Can you tell me more about that? And um, uh, As a trans person, I know that pronouns are very important because pronouns can uh, show what gender identity you identify as. So if I am being referred to with male pronouns as he and him, most likely I identify as male. But if I'm identify if I get addressed by she, her, hers, most likely I identify with female uh, as female. Um, and for a trans person, being addressed by a certain pronoun that corresponds to their gender identity um, creates more of a conf- confidence feeling and knowing that the person who's addressing them sees them as the gender they want to be seen as, uh-huh. um, rather than guessing on one's gender and um, disrespecting what they've asked. And so um, are there ways that people can be appropriately curious about gender identity in that pronoun question? Yeah, definitely. Like I know um, a lot of trans individuals or gender fluid um, individuals experiment with using different pronouns um, to see where they feel comfortable with. And some may switch every day and some may experiment for a year and then choose one pronoun. I mean, it's it var- the time varies between individuals. Um, and some people know from the very start which pronouns they prefer and which pronouns they want to be addressed by. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Sarah, what's your experience been in the pronoun question? That's a great question, especially there's such an age difference. Um, oh, how so? Well... Evie and I have been involved in a lot of groups, and in some of them, the kids go off in one room and the parents go off in another room. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and for the parents, some of them have children who are choosing to be called they or them so that they're beyond pronoun, uh, yeah. so that you can't identify someone by their gender, mm-hmm. so they're beyond gender, really. Um, and for some of those parents, that's just it's such a mind bender, and it's certainly grammatically incorrect. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but for the kids, it's like, okay. You're, you're they, them, you're, what's another one, Evie? Z-Zem. Z-Zem, oh, yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, and I find myself, sometimes I'll be talking about Evie, you're talking to Evie, and using his first pronoun, uh-huh. you know, using uh-huh. her, she, and then quickly I go back. But um, And we have friends who still use that pronoun, and the funny thing is they're always so apologetic, and we're like, it, it's okay, you know, uh-huh. it's totally chill, no big deal, but the there's sort of a loaded piece with the pronoun also when you really are supportive of the person who's transgender and then your brain throws you back to the original pronoun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And so for, for a third party coming into that, you know, that's, that's that family dynamic, a third party coming in. It's like, I mean, I found myself listening for cues from the two of you. Yeah. Okay. What are they using? That's my guide. That's interesting. Um, But if I, wasn't doing that, how might I ask in a, in a way that felt affirming or validating 
is there a is there a good way to ask that question? Yeah, definitely. If you there's if you don't know someone's pronouns and you want to be respectful, a man uh, address them by what they feel comfortable with. It's always okay to ask. Can I ask what your pronouns are? What are your PGPs? Uh-huh. Prefer gender pronouns. PGPs. Yeah. So okay, they um so they know that you're willing to respect with the, that you're interested in what gender they uh, gender pronouns they identify with and how you can respect them. Mm-hmm. Sarah, um, there's some. Um, I mean, I get emails from people who have their name and their workplace, whatever, and then their preferred pronoun. So there is a conversation oh, out in the world yeah. for people who are sort of working on the the leading edge of any issue, mm-hmm. liberal mm-hmm. issue, mm-hmm. that, you know, and if you go to a conference of people who might be working in that genre, whatever, not just gender, but other issues that are related where people are are um, willing to put themselves out as who they really are, you'll definitely see people's name tags with their name and then preferred pronoun. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's not uncommon in today's world. Well, and that's such an interesting thing because that sort of um, gets at exactly questioning, you know, sort of where I started. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, people don't question this. Well, in fact, people are beginning to question yes. it. Or if not question it, at least not make assumptions, which isn't necessarily the same thing, but they're related, it seems like. They're willing to go into a public space um, saying that they don't know, right? Which is a form of curiosity, really. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, the other form of, in terms of curiosity, is sort of the what else is there? Yeah. You know, what else might this be? And I mean, have you had even um, experiences where you felt like you sort of explicitly did that? Yeah, I was able to uh, experiment with pronouns uh, while I was in middle school. I went on a family trip and I asked uh, my mother if I could be addressed by male pronouns just to experiment if that, if that those are the pronouns I feel more comfortable with and seeing maybe if I want to go down the road of transition. Um, and through that experience, I was able to um, realize that, you know, transitioning may be the path I want to go down and that, you know, I might want to experiment later in life, but at the moment transitioning was maybe the choice I wanted to go to. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine that that was actually a really powerful opportunity all the way around. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. We didn't know anybody, so everybody just assumed Evie was a guy. Mm-hmm. And then Evie went away to a camp also for three weeks and was able to stay in the boys' cabin. The camp director and the nurse knew that this was going on and the cabin counselor, but none of the kids knew Yeah. Um, that when they referred to Evie as a boy... He, they were referring to somebody who in at home was referred to as a girl. And that was a really good experience. So, I mean, are there other moments like that that you'd like to share that you think sort of speak to coming to know your own gender identity as opposed to one that you were told, one that you knew? Um, like when I was in middle school, um, you know, I'm always on YouTube, you know, teenagers are always on YouTube, and I was watching a documentary on uh, transgender kids and their families. And that's when I started like questioning maybe that transitioning was the path I wanted to go down. Um, and then my mom and I got involved in, you know, Youth Pride at DC um, and like PFLAG Arlington um, and different groups where parents and kids met together mm-hmm. um, and talked about their experiences. Um, and I think definitely through the influence of uh, kids my age and sharing their own story and how positive their life is now after that after they transitioned um, you know that definitely influenced me on 
being curious around my pronouns and my gender identity um, because I I don't think I would be this far ahead and being such an advocate if I didn't have my peer group or, you know, the kids my age also transitioning with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you really, you spoke in your um, TEDx talk about, I mean, you titled it, you know, It Takes a Village. I mean, just this tremendous power of this supportive network in ways that seemed both huge and very small. Um, can you, Sarah, can you talk a little bit yeah, about I, that network? And I think one of the things that we were so accustomed to, but I think it from the outside might look different, is that even from like second grade on, Evie would wear a crew cut and boys clothes. And his elementary school, which was Claremont, everybody just supported him, just said, well, Evie's mm-hmm. the tomboy. Everyone just took it in stride. Mm-hmm. And taking it in stride is actually like more powerful than acceptance because there's like not even anything to accept. It's just that kid is, you know, wearing a crew cut and boys big basketball shorts and who cares? Right. Um, right. On all teams, like basketball teams, soccer teams, sometimes other the coaches from the other side would be like, is that a boy or a girl? And the coach would just be like, a hey, girl, you know, chill. And we just, things just went on. So in that way, I think there was this um, expectation uh-huh. That it was all going to roll out flawlessly, uh-huh. which it uh-huh. pretty much has. Yeah, yeah. And what about other people's curiosity about your journey? I'm sure people have lots of questions. So how do they, what kinds of stuff comes up? What feels okay to you? What doesn't feel okay? Um, for a person who is transgender, um, they're uh, a lot of questions are asked, and there are appropriate ones, and there are also uh, questions that are not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you know, one's anatomy um, and one's sexual lifestyle. But there are also questions like, um, what are your pronouns, like we went over, or um, I would like to learn a little more around what transgender being transgender means. Can you please explain to me uh, this without going in depth of, you know, surgery or, right. you know, hormones or medical stuff? And... Also, there are also a bunch of resources out there that you could read um, and listen to um, before maybe confronting a trans individual with your questions Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. so that you know what is appropriate when confronting them. Um, And then also uh, be willing to have a trans individual say that they're not open around that subject um, and just respect that. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm a big fan of curiosity, obviously, but curiosity can be very intrusive. You know, I mean, they're just certain lines that you don't cross. And I think having that kind of guidance, thank you for that, because I think that's helpful for people. Um, and even just knowing that some of those questions are, are actually welcome questions. Yeah, I think both Evie and I share the idea that um, gender is such a, first of all, gender is so touchy in general in mm-hmm. our culture. Mm-hmm. And then you bring to that a person's individual journey around gender identity, which can is not always as smooth as we're describing. Right. Um, and then people's opinions and judgments about whether or not things should happen. So into all that, people talk to us and are curious. And we both encourage people's curiosity because I feel like if I can um, let someone feel more at ease about a certain aspect of this whole thing, then they have more access to that ease around all of it. Yeah. yeah. So if someone wants to talk to me about uh, things that they might not talk to Evie about, I'm okay with that. The mm-hmm. medical piece, the you know, how did we make this decision, that decision, what's the sequence? There's a whole piece of 
um, the legal thing, uh, changing your name, changing your gender. You have to stand before a judge. And people are very wary of asking about that. Uh-huh. And I respect their concern about asking. But I'm, I'm also totally open to being asked so that they can then have that information. Yeah, yeah. There was a wonderful picture of you. It must have been in the Wakefield yeah. paper yeah. with your with what's it called the certificate for your actually it's true you do have to i kind of forgot about this there's so much that is involved in this you do have to write a petition to the Uh circuit court of arlington yeah they approve it once you stand once the person transitioning whether it's a kid or an adult stands before the judge wow then that goes to virginia to the to richmond and they can disprove it if they want to they don't really have any grounds to do that Uh But it's kind of interesting when you're in the middle of this to think we really don't have the right to just change our gender. The government gets involved in that. That's really kind of interesting. It is. And, you know, when I saw that picture, I thought, okay, I sort of knew in the back of my head that there were these processes, but it made it very real to me. I was actually very grateful that the picture was there because it really illustrated the kind of systemic things that are constructed around this thing that's ultimately a very personal Yeah. Who's to make that decision but but you? And yet we have a, a whole set of systems that make those, you know, stamps of approval or, or whatever. It's... I mean, it's so cultural because the petition asks you to legitimize mm-hmm. your choice. So the stand, there's a, um, a template that that is around that describes when the child was first interested in transitioning, how the parents felt. Da, da, da. So it's like this whole sequence that, that one put, would put in one's position petition. And even as I was doing it, it was like, what difference does that make? This is his choice now. Well, I also know that, um, you know, transitioning doesn't have to go legally also. You know, you don't have to legally change your name or you legally change your gender marker on any identification forms. Um, And that just know that you are the gender you identify as, whether it be legal or not. Um, And that people should respect that um, and know that, you know, someone's gender on their identification may not match up with the gender they identify, and you must respect that. That's a great point. That's a great point. So you've mentioned um, the importance of some of the networks and all. Are there places that you recommend that people might look for resources or support? or um, For transgender youth and parents who are, you know, have questions around the child's transitioning, a transition or just questions around, you know, what the steps to do and how can I support my child. Um, there's a group at Children's Medical Hospital mm-hmm. where kids and parents go and the kids are split into one room with a with a doctor and a, the parents are split into another room with a doctor. And mm-hmm. in both groups, uh, we're willing to we're, we start talking about, you know, concerns we have or, you know, hardships we're having in school. Um, and then the parents can talk about, you know, my kid's really dealing with this. How can I support them? Um, there's also, you know, Smile in D.C. Um, there's also PFLAG all over the place. And they have a lot of good uh, references that they can send you to after you visit them, too. Great, great. And I will put links to as many of those as I can on our on the Choose to be Curious Facebook page so people can find things. Yeah, Fairfax well. County has a, a transgender group that meets, I think, once a month. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to UUCA, the Unitarian Church, because mm-hmm. growing up through the Unitarian Church, Evie was able to see people who who were gender fluid. Uh-huh. And so that I think he just knew there was a place. And that was actually the first place he spoke. You know, it was a place that had acceptance for his questioning. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, never underestimate the power of a, a community that actually yeah. supports questioning and curiosity. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, Evie, anything you haven't had a chance to say that you really want to say? You know that it, it's okay to be curious around your gender identity or anything around yourself, um, and that being curious may not lead to one exact answer, mm. and that, you know, if you think you've gotten somewhere but then choose to be curious again, it's okay to be curious again, um, and that there's no set in stone steps and how long it takes to find what you're trying to be curious around. Mm. That is going to be like the preface to my book. Be curious and be curious again. Thank you for that. So before I let you go, I warned you about this big jar of wannabe analogies, right? So reach in and take out um, a slip, and we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever's on there. I'm going to take one and uh, take one for the audience as well. And uh, all right, you want to go or you want me to go first? Oh, you can go. Okay. Uh, I have pebbles. Um, curiosity is like pebbles. Um, hmm. Uh, I think of pebbles as being smoothed stones, um, so it's it gets that way by being sort of handled, and curiosity is something that you really have to kind of wrap your hands around and, and, and kind of play with a little bit. It's also, I associate pebbles with dropping them into water and having the ripples go out, um, so it has this curiosity, has this ripple effect, anything that it, um, that it touches, and... Um, and I think you can pick up pebbles and put them in your pocket for later. And that you can do that with curiosity as well. It's like these little things that maybe it's like, oh, maybe I'll come back to that. And you just sort of put it, put it in your pocket and some point later you can visit it again. So that's how curiosity is like pebbles. Who wants to go next? I will. All I don't right, know Eva. how to say the first word, but I'll do the chicken. <laughs> um, uh, I think, you know, curiosity is, I guess, like chicken because, um, you know, chickens have different uses people eat chicken you know chickens lay eggs um chickens are farms chicken uh chickens create money for income for sure. individuals through different experiences that chickens go through either being you know tortured or being uh, playful in the yard um all, humans also go through different phases within their life and that um through those phases th they can be curious around what what's going to come up next because chickens have no idea what's going to happen to them. <laughs> you know, we don't know what's going to happen to us. Right, right. Um, what's so funny? No, it's great. It we is don't. great. It is great. Yeah. I love what people do with this. That's, thank you. Thank you. All right, Sarah, what do you have? Okay, so I have puppies. Puppies. Uh, puppies are, that's a pretty good one around curiosity because they come out, you know, they're, they're playful and adorable and well, one of the things we love about them is how um, awestruck they are by by anything um, and how affectionate they are and how they love us and how we love them. So curiosity can be just like that. We can just love the experience um, and always find it something really that we want to play with. Nice, nice. And audience, let's see. Your word is octopus. How is curiosity like an octopus? Let us know. Can I can I say one more? Yeah, thing? Sarah. Okay, so I definitely want to be able to say this. And so, as the parent of a transgender child, people often ask me, like, how was it for you? And definitely, in the different groups we've been in, um, I've met parents for whom facing having a transgender kid was a, a really difficult, not something they wanted in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I just say to anybody out there who might be 
who might be in that situation or know someone else in that situation, that, um, you know, we all love our kids. We love our kids unconditionally. And we want our kids to say what's true for them. And it might not be what's true for us. And we have to really respect, if we've raised a kid who can say what's true for them, that's something to really honor and to go with. And even if it's just a sense of allowing them to explore with you what's true for them or going the whole way and supporting them through the transition in the way that's best for them, I just say don't shut down. Just open, open up and take some time to look at what you might be afraid of in terms of your relationship to your own identity, to your own life, to your own community, and know that the most important thing is you and your kid and your kid and their truth, not any of those other things. And just, you know, love conquers all. Wow, it's like a manifesto for parenting. Yeah. Yeah, thank you yeah, for welcome. that. This is why I thought sitting at your dining room table was so special. Yeah. So thank you both for joining me at this table for this conversation. And um, just thank you. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Good. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. Don't forget to send us your octopus analogy, hashtag analogy. A shout out to Adav a crossword puzzle champion who got a particular thrill out of my analogy between doing this show and working a diagramless crossword puzzle. Thanks for listening, Adav. Special thanks also to our guests, Evie and Sarah Priestman. I hope you'll join me next time. Until then, choose to be curious. <laughs> <laughs>